You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Claire's upcoming season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 185. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got another great podcast for you this week. She's been on a couple times, but uh, figured it was with the times we are in right now and how outspoken she has been on social media these last probably seven to ten days. A uh, good time to bring Taylor Nolan back on and discuss things, discuss the Hannah Brown incident, and discuss uh, more about what's going on with the pro- protesting, the rioting, the looting. Um, look, Taylor doesn't hold back, and I know not not all of you um uh, like her because I have gotten emails uh, in the past and I've seen some of your responses to her because she likes posting people who post negative stuff about her and send her negative uh, emails. So I get it. Um, maybe this podcast isn't for you. I think it's educational. Um, I certainly learned a lot. I've certainly learned uh, a lot in the last seven to ten days doing more reading and um, doing more viewing uh, online of videos and seeing things that I normally probably wouldn't care for. Um, and so we talk about uh, some things. I think the biggest thing I want to, I want to get out. We it's talked about, and I talk about it in probably the last 10 minutes of this podcast uh, is what came out yesterday, which is a website called eight can't That's the number eight can't wait.org, which is, you know, uh, the best way to describe it is, um, Eight particular ways now that um, there, there's a, a group of people that have put together um, eight ways that police depart eight factual things that, that, that police departments can now use uh, to implement into their police departments that have been proven statistically after six years of studying by these people, by this site. Um, uh, it's, it's giving police departments factual evidence gathered over the last six years, eight points of emphasis that have clearly shown a reduction in police violence. And some of them are so basic that when I was reading it, I was like, I didn't even, I mean, let's be honest, you and I, unless we work in law enforcement, we don't know what any of the law enforcement handbooks say and what the laws are and what's considered use of force. What can they do? What can't they do? The average person does not know. Hell, I think most people in the police department probably don't know every single thing they're allowed to do or not allowed to do. And um, uh, this site, which was part of joincampaignzero.org, this is an offshoot, but it literally went live yesterday. And you hear me talk about it with Taylor at the end of the podcast today. She put it on an Instagram story yesterday. I put it on my Instagram story yesterday. It's really, really good stuff. And it's stuff that's just kind of basic. And basically, it's just saying... If police departments implement all eight of these points of emphasis that we suggest through studies of six, the last six years, 70, there will be a 72% reduction in police violence. And it, like I said, it's simple stuff. Um, de-escalation, banning chokeholds and strangleholds, uh, a duty to intervene, shoot into moving vehicles. Like, just don't shoot into moving vehicles anymore. Period. End of story. Because that doesn't do any good. Um 
So uh, that that's four of them, and then there you know there's there's four others. You can read it, and what the the best part about the site is when you go to it, it has, um, a, it has almost all the major police departments in the state of California, and then the top largest cities in America, and it shows you. You can use a drop down list, and it shows you how many of them implement these eight policies. Not one of them implements all eight, um, but it shows how many implement and which ones they implement of the eight. And then right underneath it, it has the email address and the Twitter account of the mayor and sheriff in that county to where you can literally just fire off and say these need to be implemented. So, you know, when we talk about what's happening with the protests and the riots and the looting, there, there's there's two issues here. One is the racial divide, which we're clearly, um, you know, I've been reading up on more, and I think we all know that there's a major racial divide in this country. But then there's the, the police department side of things. And before 8 Can't Wait went live yesterday, I, I didn't really see much that an average citizen could do to promote change in the police system. You see a lot of people on Instagram now reading things and watching things that are like, wow, opening my eyes to certain things that I really wasn't aware of. Um, But there wasn't anything. And people are saying, like, how can I be better? And you're learning stuff. But there wasn't really anything out there that I saw, unless I was completely missing something, to where you could do something to be like, hey, I want to implement some sort of change. Or what can I do to help the police department change how the way they are going about arresting people and using force on citizens um you know yeah you could protest but it was nothing tangible where you're telling the police what you can do protesting is basically just saying we're sick and tired of this something needs to change well now with eight can't wait you're giving police departments factual evidence that has been gathered over the last six years eight points of emphasis that clearly show if police departments include this in their whatever handbook training it will show a reduction in police violence. And that's what the protests are about, is police violence. It's gotten out of hand. I mean, look, you'll, you'll hear me talk about it in the last 10 minutes, but just a, a couple things that, that, that came about with it were, and things that I just never thought of because I don't think about uh, police and, and how they go about their jobs on a daily basis. Why would I? I'm not involved in that. I, you know, It's just not part of my life. But just the thought of, why does a policeman why why are policemen sent out to a car crash? Why do they have their guns on them? What's the point? When there's a 911 call for a mental health issue, why does the policeman show up with gun, with a gun? Just simple stuff like that. Like anytime there's a 911 mental health call, they're basically saying the police don't need to be involved in this. You need to go somewhere else with that. Why do policemen with guns need to show up a, at a at a place on, on a 911 call like that? I mean, there's look, there is so many things out there on eight can't wait and join campaign zero.org that if you took the time to spend a few hours looking at this stuff, you would be amazed because I did in the last 24 to 48 hours. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Um, another good one is police scorecard.org. Now granted that only covers all the major police departments in California, uh, uh, the top or the top 100 police departments in California and grades them all. The best grade was a B and I think by 85% of them had F's. And it breaks down why each single department in every city in California that they covered through 2016 through 2018, a two-year period, uh, why, or three years, 2016, 2017, and 2018, why they're given the grade that they are in terms of how they use force, um, arrests that they've made, shootings, killings. um, Did they draw? Was there a verbal warning given before someone was shot? All that stuff. 
which is one of the uh, eight policies that they want to uh, enforce, that verbal warnings need to be given before shooting happens. You would think that would be normal, but <laughs> you look at go to that on 8cantwait.org eight and tell me how many times you see a police department on there that doesn't have verbal warning needs to be used before any shots are fired. It's amazing. But I wouldn't have known any, uh, you know, I wouldn't have known otherwise. So it's really interesting stuff. And that's what we're going to discuss with Taylor today, along with the Hannah Brown stuff. And I, I really just, you know, it's, I, I'm not going to ignore it this week. It's not just going to be, you know, my podcast is not going to be for the, till the end of time covering all this stuff, but it, it, we, we are, we're in weird times right now and this stuff is important and it needs to be covered. And, uh, when I, um, listened to a podcast, uh, two days ago, it came out late, um, it came out late Tuesday night and I suggest you all go listen to it. It's from the guy who created joincampaignzero.org and 8cantwait.org. His name is DeRay McKesson. He's at DeRay on uh, Twitter, at D-E-R-A-Y. And he has a podcast, Pod Save the People. Uh, he was on with Bill Simmons of The Ringer, who I think anybody that's listened to me over the last years knows that Bill Simmons is somebody that I look up to and indirectly is the reason why realitysteve.com even exists. Um, Bill had DeRay on uh, on his podcast. It, it, it posted on Tuesday night. I listened to it before I had interviewed Taylor, took down as many notes as I could. But it's the first 45 minutes of that podcast is, is just a ray. The last hour is an actual – it's an actual – it's another good interview, but it's sports-related. It's Pete Carroll and Steve Kerr with Greg Popovich talking about race relations. But the first 45 minutes, if I, impl- if I could tell you to listen to any podcast – well, besides this one, of course. If I could tell you to listen to any podcast, take 45 minutes out of your life – and listen to Bill Simmons from the Ringer podcast, his podcast that dropped Tuesday. Listen to those 45 minutes with DeRay McKesson and tell me that this thing that he has started, 8cantwait.org, is not going to be a major player and an actual solution. You know, look, we're, we're out there protesting and people are marching and saying, we, 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 this needs to stop. Death of unarmed black men is getting out of control and needs to stop. But how do we stop it? Well, they're actually presenting now a solution through factual data over the last six years that they've compiled by getting information from the top, the largest 100 police departments in the United States. This is a lot of work that they put into that site, and it's 8cantwait.org, the number 8cantwait.org. And uh, you'll be amazed by, by what you see, but I would, I would listen to that part that Bill Simmons interviews DeRay McKesson uh, on the Ringer podcast from Tuesday. Check it out. It is worth your 45 minutes because everything in there that he says, you're just like either wow or I never thought of that or I didn't know that. I mean, it's just just every single answer he gives is so deep and so stuff that you, I guarantee 99% of us just don't think about. Um, so if you're interested in this stuff and you're really bothered by what's going on right now, we finally have something, I guess, where we're actually solving or giving a solution to, hey, police system needs to change. They can't keep doing this to people. Well, what? how do we change? What do we do? What can the police do to, to, to limit the amount of deaths? Clearly, we want zero deaths by police officers, but, I mean, that's, I think that's hard to come by. But this is factual evidence, 72% in reduction of police violence if police departments implement these eight, um, these eight things. And uh, it's all on there. So anyway, 
That went a little bit longer than I thought, but uh, let's get to it um, with uh, podcast number 185. Okay, let's bring her in. You first saw her on Nick's season of The Bachelor, and then she was on season four of Bachelor in Paradise, but um, you know her more now um, for her podcast, um, her Instagram stories. Uh, Yeah, you, you can't. You can't not see her, especially now with everything that's been going on in the last week. One of the more outspoken people in Bachelor Nation. It is Taylor Nolan. Taylor, how are you? Hello. I am doing all right. I'm currently sitting on the beach talking to you. And so it's. Um, I think it's going to be a much more relaxing day that my toes are in the sand and soaking it up. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, you you clearly have been busy uh, the last week. Anybody that follows you on Instagram knows about it. Um, with uh, your podcast, the Let's Talk About It podcast, uh, which has gotten a lot of run, um, I've seen it retweeted and reposted on a lot of Instagram stories. And you yeah, know, before before we get going here, I, I do just want to say, like, for this podcast, I just I really need you to come out of your shell. I really need you to give your opinion on things because you really seem to be kind of quiet out there and not saying much. You know, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, that's definitely me. I definitely am always always quiet. Me, I never have anything to say. <laughs> so I want to start off before we get to everything that's been going on in the last week with the protests and the rioting and the looting. I want to go back to probably the biggest story in Bachelor Nation uh, since Peter's season ended. And that's the Hannah Brown situation. Uh, you've you we're all aware of it now. She posted her apology. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, June third. You're gonna hear it today, June fourth, when you listen. Um, she made her apology this past Saturday. Overall, what was your impressions of what she said? Overall, I wasn't significantly disappointed as I was with her story, five sentence statement. Yeah. Um, overall, I think it, it was good. Overall, there are still some things I would ask of her and some things that I was, you know, wishing she would have included. But overall, I do think she took accountability. I do think she, um, she took it as an opportunity to, you know, let her followers know to stop defending her, which I thought was really important. Um, I felt like it was a little late, <laughs> um, but, you know, the the piece that she included about taking the time to learn before she came back on, um, I want to briefly touch on because I think... A lot of people, a lot of white people specifically, have been able to sit in this place of privilege to be silent because things haven't impacted them. And to then say, well, I'm not going to say anything because I'm going to really sit in this. I'm going to reflect and I'm going to learn. And like, then I'll just know better. And I think there's a really real opportunity, even specifically here, I'll speak to this example with Hannah, where she it would have been awesome to have seen her share what she was learning in real time. I think that that process of learning can be super powerful. Um, and I wish that she would have shared specific resources um, with her followers. I, I don't know if she did post follow-up stories or anything like that, but um, providing that information and giving credit to those people. You know, she mentioned white fragility, but I don't think she actually 
said, you know, Robin D'Angelo, who wrote this book, White Fragility, that has a workbook that you can do along with it. Like Robin D'Angelo is someone I had on the podcast episode, um, episode 121, that's currently circulating in a lot right now. Yeah. Um, she also mentioned the Ta-Nehisi Coates um, he has a book um, as well, but she mentioned this video that I literally also played in that same episode. Um, so part of me is like, did you listen to this episode, Hannah? Like, what? Um, but, you know, he has a whole clip on words that don't belong to everyone. And I wish that she would have spoken just to that piece a little bit more. So, I mean, overall, like the things that she said, I think were helpful. Um, I just, I almost, you know, I'm just like, can we just go a little bit deeper here? Because I think there's a lot that, the people that are defending her don't understand that I wish she could have just expanded on a little bit more and been a little more specific. You know, she said, yeah, I was working with someone, you know, she has a one-on-one educator or whatever, like, okay, so what are they teaching you? Um, which again, she did a little bit of, but, um, and overall it was a good apology, but, um, yeah, just, just miss that piece of like, okay, you're going to promise to do better, but what does that look like? How does that change for you going forward? Like, can you be specific and invite people along that journey with you? Um, I think that would have been just kind of like the cherry on top of it. Yeah. I mean, clearly I'm not going to say the N word again and I never should have said it in the first place is, is one thing she's going to change, but that's about the most obvious thing. Yeah. That's like bare minimum. Yeah. Bare (laughs) minimum. Um, Of course you're not going to say it anymore. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But I, I think here, here's the thing, and I, I want to ask you this because I've had this conversation with a few people and I've had it emailed to me, and it's been the biggest argument put forth by her army of people or people that just don't think what she did was a big deal, and that is she was singing it in a song. And look, I know ta Coates explained this in that yeah. video that you've posted, but can you kind of, in layman's terms, kind of... I don't know, cliff note that version for us and explain to people why saying it in a song um, or, um, mm-hmm. or or singing, you know, yeah. singing along with it is, is still not right. Yeah. Well, first, I also just want to point out she was not even singing along. There was no yeah. music. There was no song. She, yeah, she was <laughs> singing was... the song with no music. She was like, what, she was basically like, what are the words to these songs again? And she's like, uh, and then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she wasn't singing <laughs> along with it. Yeah. So first, it's not even like she was really singing along. So that defense, to begin with, I feel is weak. Um, but second, you know, what Rachel even said in her Instagram uh Instagram IGTV video and also what Tanahasi Coates mentions in this video is like there are certain words that throughout our culture really only apply to certain groups of people. Um, you look at the word bitch, right? Like guys calling girls bitches is not okay. Like that doesn't work in our society today. Like women call each other bitches. Like, hey, bitch, as an empowering term, as like we've taken that word that men used to belittle us with. And now we say, you know what? That's that's for us. Like we're we're not going to let you hold power over that anymore. Um, And you and you you have a ton of experience with that because Corinne called you a bitch, I think, 10 (laughs) times in one episode. Uh, The two two on one episode where you went home, it was she called you a bitch, I think, 10 times because I remember I was writing down how many times she said it. So. Yeah, yeah I was a bitch, a swap monster, all the all the things. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, the, the thing with the N-word, you might not understand why black people use it to claim that power. But like, 
if you, you aren't black and haven't experienced the generational trauma or the, you know, racism within our system, you might not get it, but you don't need to understand it. Like to me, it's, it's not like you, you don't need to have racism 101 to just sit back and say, oh yeah, like there are certain words that like different groups of people use with each other that are appropriate. Um, Ta-Nehisi Coates uses the example of, you know, the word honey, even like his wife can call him honey because that's how they know each other. That is their relationship. If some other woman on the street came up to him when he was walking down the street with his wife and was like, Hey honey, like that wouldn't be appropriate. Um, so again, we know words and context, right. And like, what for you is the context of being able to say the N word? Like there's a certain level of entitlement that comes along with that, that I think should be examined. There's also a certain level of privilege in that. Um, and for me, it's like, you should feel uncomfortable saying that word as a white person. Like it, you, you really, it doesn't matter if it's in a song. Um, even it being in a song is, still a word that's coming out of your mouth, right? Like if you wouldn't say it just in everyday life, then why is that okay in a song? It still isn't okay. Um, I don't even say the word, like you skip over it. Like it, this is the thing. It's, I think white people are frustrated at the fact that they would have to be inconvenienced at the, at the, ask of black people again similar situation here that we see with amy cooper and christian cooper in central park right the fact that she could be inconvenienced by a request of a black person is like so offensive to her right that makes her so upset and it's i feel a similar thing when black people are saying white people you're not allowed to use this fucking word stop using this word um and the fact that she skipped over fuck but said the n-word it was just spoke volumes to me, but that's a different thing. Yeah. And I think again, something else that someone, a few people brought up to me in terms of that word and using it at concerts was okay. Kanye West or Jay Z throw a concert. I'm only using them because they are popular black artists who use the N word in their songs a lot. So clear and clearly they have white people that attend their concerts. So if you're a white person and you've attended a Kanye concert or a Jay-Z concert, yeah. you've probably not only said that word, you've probably screamed it at the top of your lungs. So they're yeah. saying, why is that different than what Hannah did? Why are they allowed to at a concert? That's not, I mean, no, they're not allowed to. They shouldn't be saying it at a concert either. Okay, <laughs> that's so, okay, so, okay. That, so that's like, what you're saying. It, yeah, no, it's still not okay in that, in that um, setting. Like, black people are, they don't make their music for white people to sing the N-word to. Like, that's that's not what's happening there. Um, and it's I just think it's literally maybe a, a millisecond in a song that you can skip over. Yeah. Like if you think about the history of it, you think about really how that word was used. Go watch 12 Years a Slave and then tell me you feel comfortable saying it in a rap song. And it's it's again, this is where. I feel people are picking and choosing bits of black culture that they want to celebrate and that they want to benefit from while just totally being silent and complicit in the oppression of 
black people as a whole. You want to know why? Like part of what we hear in hip hop is that emotion behind the oppression that they've experienced. Right. Yeah. yeah. So when you're hearing this like intent, when you're hearing fuck the police, right? Like that is coming from such a real place. You don't get to as a white person and all the privilege that you have had and the complicity, whatever. I don't know that's word, but I'm making it one um, <laughs> within this society to then celebrate that without also celebrating the entirety of black culture and advocating and uplifting and being anti-racist. Because again, there's not this like either you're racist or you're not. It's either you are a racist to begin with and then you become anti-racist. You practice every day to be an ally and to be anti-racist. It's a lifelong thing. Um, You know, we're still, black people are still dealing with the oppression and the trauma from their ancestors from 400 years ago. What makes you think that as a white person, you still don't deal with some of the toxicity that your ancestors, um, you know, instilled in, in your generations. Like this, this isn't, it's so much bigger. And for Hannah's situation, it just, it's a, it's a vessel to which Bachelor Nation is being made aware of these things that they should have already been aware of and that black people within Bachelor franchise have been aware of their entire lives. You know what's crazy is probably the most popular, at least when I go on TikTok, the most popular dance slash song going right now is the Rockstar song by DaBaby and Roddy Rich. DaBaby and... Which is the song that she was singing, Rockstar. And... In that song, basically, when I see somebody, I mean, you, you've you looked at TikTok before. You've seen people dance and sing to Rockstar on TikTok. Mm-hmm. There's basically four ways you can handle it. You can just do the dance to the song and not lip sync or sing. You could mm-hmm. dance to the song and lip sync all the words. So the N-word could be lip synced out of your mouth. You could listen to the, you could dance and sing to the song and you could actually have it um you could actually say the words or just nothing at, or just nothing at all like i said so there's there's basically mm-hmm. four different outcomes and like i said yeah. she didn't even, she wasn't even singing to the song she was actually singing the song without <laughs> it playing in the background and not doing the dance it wasn't on a tiktok yeah. as we know so that's that's the crazy thing but i i can't tell you how many white people on tiktok are dancing and singing to that song but this whole lyric of brand new lamborghini fuck a cop car with a pistol on my hip like I'm a cop, they get to that part where the N-word shows up and they put that arm over their face and then start yeah. doing the rock star part. So they're all avoiding yeah. it. Every one of them is avoiding it. And, I don't, and that's part of the dance. Maybe the dance is telling you, look, yeah. when, when you get to the N-word part of the song, <clears throat> put, your, put your arm over yes. your face so you don't say it. <laughs> I mean, yes. it's part of the song. But, it, but there are people that um, there are parts of that song uh, where – you don't do that because um, there's two parts of that song that are being used on TikTok, and you know it, it's it's out there, and clearly she screwed up, and yeah. you know we hope she learned from it. Um, she well, I ha- hope that every white person that follows her, that also maybe doesn't follow her but has seen this, takes an opportunity to really reflect on why they want to use this word, knowing what it means, educating themselves on the power of that word. And can learn from Hannah's 
I don't even want to call it a mistake, honestly, but from Hannah's situation. Let's talk a little bit about Magic Spoon. Growing up, cereal, one of the best parts of being a kid. I had a bowl before I went to bed every single night. Although it was full of sugar and it was junk cereal. Been trying to cut down on carbs and sugar on a healthy food recently. It's been tougher in quarantine, I must say. But I realized basically all the good stuff, I just I, I can't eat that stuff anymore. But with Magic Spoon, you've got zero sugar. 12 grams of protein and only 3 net grams of carbs in each serving. you got four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. It tastes amazing. Honestly, it's too good to be true. The cocoa one is outstanding, and I really love the frosted one as well. Blueberry and fruity are good as well. Go to magicspoon.com Steve to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code Steve at checkout to get free shipping. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash Steve, and use the code Steve for free shipping. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, I want to move on to what's been going on this week. Um, clearly, <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> ever since the George Floyd death, what we've been dealing with in this country... Um, there's a lot that's been going on and you've, uh, and I mean, there's so many different angles that we can get. We've only have a certain amount of time on this podcast. There's so many ways we can attack this. Um, but I just want to ask you as someone who's been as outspoken as you have and has provided so much education on your Instagram story and talked about it in your podcast, I guess my question to you would be, what is the biggest thing that you've learned from other people during this whole time in terms of what they've emailed you, what they've asked you about, what they've complained to you about, what have you learned the most? Like, wow, people were what? Um, I'm going to be honest, stupid. Yeah. No, I figured he'd say something. I figured it was going to be something along those lines. (laughs) Ignorant, stupid. Yeah. I'm like, do we want like my real honest? Like how, how have you been so stupid in this? And it's like, it's really frustrating, honestly. And I mean, I could, you know, put this in a nice gift wrap package for the white people listening and be like, you know, yeah, what I really learned is that people are really motivated to learn right now. And, you know, like, motherfuckers, you should have been motivated to fucking learn when Eric, Gar- when you saw Eric Gardner, you yeah. should have been motivated to learn when you fucking learned about it in middle school and you just learned about what slavery was in general. Like, but it's part of me is, is not even upset at white people specifically because what I do, what I do take away from what people have messaged me from the comments that I've seen is that people are just so uneducated and that this system is working so perfectly. People want to say, Oh, our system's so broken. No, it's functioning exactly how it was built to. Um, so, a big takeaway for me is just that people need to be educated on the system that we live in. The 30,000 microsystems, right, that we have from mass incarceration to our, quote, you know, uh, criminal justice uh, system. Like, there are so many pieces here that people have not been able to awaken themselves on, to educate themselves on as to how they are benefiting and others are intentionally being oppressed from even just when we look at voting right how voting how we experience uh gerrymandering how um you know certain voters are their vote is suppressed um 
I'm going to pause right here because this woman is walking by with her kid and I don't want you to have to put this in a recording. Okay. Okay. We're back. Go ahead. Finish that thought. Okay. Yeah. Um, just even when we look at voting, right? Like there's pieces of that where the black community isn't their vote is intentionally suppressed. Um, and it's, I think important for people to understand, right. To not sit in this place of guilt because a lot of the messages I get to are like, Oh, I can't believe this is happening. How am I just knowing about this stuff now? And that's great. Sit in that for like a minute, right. That you are just now understanding and maybe not understanding, but becoming aware of all these things. But then maybe think about why is that? Part of it is you, yes. Part of it is you as an adult not educating yourself. But the other part of it is this system, our our society, our culture never really wanted you to, right? <laughs> that yeah. you you have been conditioned and raised in this system that uh, honestly didn't want you to see any of it. And like be upset at that, right? Like work against that, um, not against black people and trying to say, you know, oh, well, no, like they don't know what they're talking about or, you know, well, no, white people experience racism too, dear Lord. Um, you know, like really look at that. Why is that, that I haven't? And I think that's been a really big takeaway for me of just like, damn, we really all need to educate ourselves so much more on, on this system because even, I mean, our history is so, so important and, I'm not the best at history. Honestly, it was not a class I paid much attention to. But black people have had to go and learn their own history on their own. They weren't even taught like the the, the actual real facts and the depth of their history. Imagine that. Yeah. And and then what we do learn about the role that white people have played within our history. Like, do you accept that? Do you understand how you're benefiting from that today? And do you understand how it's literally still presenting itself just in different forms? Um, there's there's a lot to be said just around educating ourselves on the history of our country and how black people have been oppressed and how white people have greatly been benefited. You know, actually, now that I think about this, you you know, you've been with family and you, like I said, you're headed to the beach and you've been driving for a little bit. You woke up somewhat late. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't know if you've heard. And so I'm going to tell you, have you heard the latest from Minnesota? What happened in the last hour? No, I haven't paid attention. I was giving myself a break as of Tuesday afternoon to now. So okay. what's going on? Well, no, not, not in terms of protests or rioting or something like that. Um, the Minnesota, I was the governor of the mayor, has upgraded Derek Chauvin's um, murder from third degree to second degree, and all three okay. other all three other cops have been arrested and charged with aiding and abetting uh, in the last there hour. There we go. So that was um, there we go. That just came down within the last hour. So I didn't know if you had heard it, but yeah, that's exactly now getting somewhere. Getting somewhere, but it's almost like but it shouldn't take. It shouldn't it should have taken. Take. <laughs> this happened last Monday, and it was all on tape. <laughs> It should not have yes. taken nine days to do that. Hell, it took him five days just to get Derek Chauvin on a third-degree murder charge. They didn't get yes. charged till Friday, and it happened last Monday. So, I mean, it is. Yes. I mean, it's better than nothing. Put it that way. It's better than saying, "Oh, well, we're throwing this case away." 
I mean, mm-hmm. certainly it's better than that. Which does happen. Oh, yeah. Which does happen. And, I mean, there's uh, – so that's that's a good part. Um, you mentioned um, talking about, um, you know, what do people learn and stuff like that. And I, I told you in a text earlier this week or when we talked earlier this week on the phone that, like, look, I'm – I know I'm white privilege. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very well aware of it now, but I could tell you before last Monday, if you were to ask me what the definition of white privilege was, I just thought it was people that were spoon fed and born rich and never had to work a day in their life and everything was handed to them. Um, now I know. Nope. And that's not it. Yeah. And I was completely wrong. Um, so and- now how do you define that though? Oh, that nothing. How do you understand that now? Well, I, I told I told my buddy that I was talking to. I said, nothing in my life has ever ever come hard to me because of the color of my skin. Not even close. I can't there think. Of, I can't even think of the biggest thing that I've ever dealt with in my life. Maybe getting fired from a radio job, but that had nothing to do with my skin. That was something mm-hmm. I did. It was my. It was work related. Um, clearly, yeah. clearly nothing. Um, and then I think about, and then I read more stories, and I think about. Every time I have been pulled over by a cop, I've never been nervous. I'm just like, okay, mm-hmm. I, they're going to ask me what I need to do. Ask me for my driver's and registration, um, license and registration. I'm going to give it to them. They're going to go back to their car. They're going to look that I have no record. They're going to say, mm-hmm. hey, either slow down and give me a ticket or they're going to say, or they're going to give me a warning. Um, I've never, yeah. been, I've never been nervous when a cop has pulled me over ever. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't, you know, me and my friends and the people that I grew up with, we don't fear cops at all and yeah and like i like look i knew i know that um people of color do fear cops but i get it just never sunk in because it's not something that i thought about ever and it's just yeah well you've never been made to have to it's never been relevant in your life yeah i guess because i've never i mean i've and i don't want to say this phrase because it just sounds so stupid but I've never like okay. I've never been around it, but have I have I been friends with uh, black guys before and been in cars with black guys before that were on my team back in high school? Yeah, but it never happened to me. So it never happened mm-hmm. to me while they were with me. So I didn't even experience it on their end. Hey, why are yeah. you, why are you guys driving around or whatever? So um, that's why and I never thought about it. Never, and even when I have been pulled over, I see a cop in the area. I don't, I don't worry at all. Yeah. In the least bit. And I also want to just expand that it's it's not even just the cops. Like, the cops, yes, are a huge part of it. Yeah. But it's also, like, is there a, I'm going to call it an army of black people that cloak themselves in, you know, white gear to go around in vans and scoop up white people and murder them? Are there white people that are in their own neighborhoods who are scared to go out and jog because they know there's a chance that some black person who just really hates white people is going to chase them down for five minutes on their jog, filming them to then shoot them down in broad daylight? No. 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 So it's not even just the cops. It's we literally have like an active KKK organization today that should be classified as a fucking terrorist organization. And that literally even on my walk um, earlier this week, I went out for a walk and legit was like having to look over my shoulders and like almost had a like anxiety attack because we have a group here in the Pacific Northwest called Proud Boys and they're essentially a KKK group, um, white supremacist group and um, legit were spotted going around in vans trying to like fucking kidnap and murder black people and like beat people up. So 
that's like we like to white people like to sit and think that, oh, well, that was just history. You know, slavery ended. You know, we're not there today. It's 2020. No, you need to open up your eyes like you you live in a little bit of a bubble. Right. Like I've been a part of that bubble. Um, and then I've been drugged the fuck out of my bubble. <laughs> and yeah. it's it's tough. It's tough. It's really hard to sit today and be like, wow, I thought that we were better than this, right? I thought that, you know, that that stuff was just in history. But you're literally living it right now. It is happening right now. And, like, really think long and hard about what side of that you want to be on. And know that you do have a choice of what side you want to be on. You haven't really had much of a choice from the day you're born right because yeah. you're born black or you're born white that literally changes the, the statistics as to whether or not you're going to just survive your birth which is a part of this system as well <laughs> but that now that you can become aware and realize that these things are happening you can take those steps now don't let it paralyze you because when you let it paralyze you and you're just sitting in that guilt and you just feel bad that doesn't do any help. Yes, I want you to listen. I want you to learn. I want you to educate yourself. But I want you to also do something with that. So, you know, there's yeah. there's a um, I, I heard a discussion this morning uh, about a movie on Netflix called 13th that um, mm-hmm. I, ha- I haven't watched it yet. But after hearing the discussion about it uh, in the last couple of days, I'm like, I definitely want to I definitely want to watch it. Um, yeah, I heard it's about as powerful as you can get. And mm-hmm. it's um, yep. I don't know. If, have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it's something that I think everybody needs to see. It came out in 2016, mm-hmm. but it is now yeah. getting more run um, because of what's been going down in the last week yeah. and whatnot. Um, you know, yeah. Go watch 13th. Go watch When They See Us. Go watch the Khalif Browder story. Oh, the Khalif Browder story. It just, it, it can't not get to you. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a ton of examples and, and mm-hmm. you've been posting them and Instagram storing them all week. Um, and a lot of people have, and you know, that's the other thing that's been going on. And there's a new term that came out this week that I had never heard of, or again, I, maybe I hadn't thought of. And I think it has to do with how people are speaking to each other on social media. And that's tone policing. Can you, can you, you explain? Had, yes. I had never come across this or, really understood it. I, well, I shouldn't say I understood it because I didn't hear about it until this week. I've never had anybody tell well, me Well, yeah, because it. you, as a white male, have never had to have experienced tone policing. Yeah. <laughs> um, no one's ever tried to correct you on your tone, um, put you in your place, um, you know, project their own insecurity and discomfort onto you by the education or the truth that you were trying to say. Um I have been tone policed significantly, um, not just on social media, but throughout my life. Um, And tone policing, if you zoom out here, if we go a little backwards in history, Mm -hmm. think about how slaves were allowed to talk to their masters. Think about when slaves got their freedom but then had to interact with white people in society. How do you think white people were expecting black people to speak to them? 
Well, and probably still in the same ways as if they were still a fucking slave. Yeah. So white people didn't know how to interact or sit with the fact that black people could have their own voices, that they could express things. And it didn't have to be in this nice, pretty, yes, ma'am, you know, package. Right. So there's this history there to that where white people frequently through a system, through a, uh, a symptom here of white fragility, right? Like not being able to have that conversation specifically around race, um, becoming defensive, deflecting, tone policing is a tool to deflect from whatever that person is saying to stop and, and make them then change their tone, change what they're saying to help make you feel more comfortable. And it's quite manipulative in a very harmful way because it takes away the point of the message, right? Like when it comes to racism, when it comes to oppression, black people do not owe white people jack shit. If they want to have an attitude, if they are angry, they are allowed to be. That might make you uncomfortable, sit with that. Understand, try and hear the emotion in their voice with your walls down and be like, yeah, yeah, okay. (laughs) Instead of, you know, well, really, you know, you shouldn't be swearing when you say things if you really want people to understand what you're saying. Well, how is you telling me that? (laughs) Like, you're still not listening to anything I'm saying. You're, You're focusing in on one piece right? Or you're telling me I have an attitude. Damn right. I have an attitude. Damn right. I'm upset. You should be upset too. Yeah. I mean, so you, it's, you, you were born into a world of uncomfortableness the second you came out yeah. and your skin was black. I mean, that's, yeah. you've been behind the eight ball since you were born. Um, yeah. so you and have like, every what reason have you to done be as a, yeah. And like, what have you done as a white person to try to make black people feel more comfortable in their day to day? Yeah, probably nothing. So then you have no right to sit there and try to tone police and say, you know, oh, well, can you say that a little bit nicer? No, I can't. No. If I'm your teacher, maybe, sure, right? There's certain contexts, right, (laughs) where certainly tone does play a role in how people can listen to them. But in an everyday-to-day situation, in personal lives, when Black people tell their stories – White people try to tone police it. They try to deflect it. And it's just, it's exhausting. It is so exhausting. Imagine just like trying to to say something and someone picking apart literally every piece of what you say. And that is what white people are now interpreting as the education that they are receiving around how they even talk about race. And so it's like... Well, yeah. How do you think black people have felt? (laughs) And and it's also like the ways that black people are now trying to educate white people on how to have these conversations around race are literally to help them do better because they haven't known. They haven't known. They've been asking, well, how do we? How do we? Well, now when we're telling you, don't pick apart how we're trying to tell you because you didn't know from jump. And if you didn't, if you don't want to hear it from me, then go read it in a book. Go read it in a book. Go watch it in a documentary. Go talk to your other white friend about it. Yeah. Because black people are not the first person that you should be going to to be like, how can I help be anti-racist? There are so many resources, so many resources available. 
you know, with everything going on in riots and looting and, and protesting, I, it's obviously we got to be clear that protesters are not the rioters and looters for the most part. I mean, maybe there are people out there protesting with a sign that ultimately um, do get, you know, because they're mad and they're screaming and they do get involved in maybe throwing something. But a majority of the protesters um, are not the people that are rioting and looting. And that's obviously become a big discrepancy right now on what's going on. And, you know, um, well, and it's also a deflection. A deflection of? It's a deflection from the people that are actually protesting. It's a deflection from the message itself. Well, yeah. The, yeah. When people r- focus on that. What's the, what's, the, what's the meme going on around right now um, about I – can't, I can't remember if it's off the top of my head. But basically, yeah, the rioters, are looter, the rioters and looters are, are taking away from the message that the protesters are trying to enforce or – not enforce, yeah, but well, trying to, message being, trying to get across. Yeah, and people focusing on the people that are opportunists and are rioting and looting, Yeah, they're focusing on the wrong thing. And for the people that are not opportunists and who are passionate about the message and are breaking things and stealing things, why would they be doing that? Sit and think about why. Why would someone be so driven, to be so upset to do something like that? That's the focus here. And that does go back to the message of Black Lives Matter. The police need to be held accountable. And people have been dealing with this generational trauma of this for decades. And no one has listened. Like, when people getting upset over the small pieces that myself or other people of color are trying to help them to change their language, right, to educate them on how to talk about these things. And imagine trying to do that for fucking centuries and having people in your family incarcerated for a fucking little bag of marijuana, right? For growing up without your father because of that. Then not having enough money to even eat food on the table. Then your teacher being upset at you because you don't have time to finish your homework because you don't even have access to fucking internet. And generation and generation and generation of this with the police not being held accountable at all, you would be so fucking pissed. You would be so hurt. You might feel paralyzed, like just to try to put your shoes, to try to put yourself in the shoes of someone who has experienced something like that. And then maybe you will understand. Maybe you will start to understand. Maybe you will find the the underlying reason as to why someone would do that. And that should be what's breaking your heart. Not that the windows are broken. Like that should be the piece that really sparks a fire in you to say, yeah, that's not okay. Like that person is in so much pain and this is nonsense. If we watch a police officer murder a man, murder a man, keep his fucking knee on him for two minutes after he's dead, did not even receive EMT support. Brianna Taylor, she was just shot up in her home. Literally, the person that the police already had was in their custody already. They went to the wrong home, completely obliterated her apartment, and shot her to death. Those people need to be accountable, and that's what should be lighting the fire in your heart. Yeah. Not the broken windows. Like, come on. Come on. And, uh, and you know, the other thing to look at is just the basic of why. It's like, okay, there's broken windows and there's looting. 
well, what led to that? Well, protests led to that. Well, what yeah. led what led to the protest? Well, what happened in Minnesota? Yeah. Because what I know is before last Monday, there wasn't protesting and rioting and looting happening. It's happening mm-hmm. because of what happened last Monday, which is yet another incident that, like you said, there's mm-hmm. you could go to Botham John, you could go to Trayvon Martin. I mean, the list goes on. We already know that yeah. we, we know the names and now, of all these people. And we see this happening now at the protests. Like you're seeing police brutality show itself for what it really is. They are macing children. Okay. People are literally losing their eyeballs. Yeah. Legit losing their eye because the police officer is shooting them with rubber bullets because they are peacefully protesting, standing there with a sign. Is that okay for you? No, of course not. Yeah. And, you know, I think now we're at a point where obviously we talked about, um, it, it, it's, and you know, I say be, before last Monday, there was no protests and rioting and looting. I'm talking about, you know, the weeks before that we were, we were worried about COVID, you know, we were, it just wasn't, yeah. this is what, what spurned it on. But yes, when, when stuff like this happens, there will be protests, uh, and there should be, you have every right to protest. It's in it, you know, there's nothing against protesting. Um, yeah. you know, at this point, and it's not just, you know, yes, George Floyd is is what spurred on why people are protesting. But if you only look at it as George Floyd getting murdered on camera, you have to also understand if you can't see that this is a, a, a much deeper, deeper racial issue and racial divide going on, yeah. which is why people are upset. And I just I, I still I don't think people see that. I don't think I saw it as before last Monday, but now I'm starting yeah. to see, OK. It's not yes, George Floyd is what spurred this because it's another black unarmed man getting killed by a yeah, white cop. Just like how Eric Gardner spurred Black Lives Matter to start. Yeah, and then um well, and But that I, was 6 years ago. And that was I can't breathe, right? That he was the one. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. It's just there's going to be outrage and it's like, "Oh, you know, let's march and let's do this and let's do that," but then nothing ends up happening. That's why people well, are so upset. Yes. That is why people are upset. But nothing also, ends happening in the police department. Like nothing's changing in terms of yes that part of it. Why why aren't they being held accountable? Why aren't they mm-hmm. on death row? You know, in jail on yeah. death row. Whatever the case may be, nothing's yeah. happening to these cops, and nothing's happening and, to change the police. The way police deal with civilians. Yeah, and that is where I myself here. I'm going to speak personally. I'm not going to generalize. Mm-hmm. That is why I myself. I'm calling on the white people who follow me, any white person I know here, to actually show up, pull up, as Rihanna says, step up and practice being an ally because your voice, as unfair as it is, as annoying and frustrating as it is, is more powerful as a white person in our society where our system is run by white people in power. Yeah. So... Like these conversations that we're having even right now are not a conversation that black people even need to be having because they've been fucking living it. So that is why, like, majority of the police force is white. Majority of the people in Congress are white. Our president, I'm not even going to go there. Um, It's that is why, like, to really see change. Unfortunately, our system has not listened to the black community for generations 
So our voices have to be so loud. We have to be fighting this at literally every system, at every conversation, day to day. Because again, this isn't just George Floyd. This is generations and centuries, over a hundred years of this stuff happening. That you, as a white person, have had the luxury, have had the privilege to not have to deal with. So let that start a fire so that you can see real change, so that you can see police officers being held accountable and making that change with your vote, with your voice, with your money, money talks. When we look at most of the corporations, who owns the fucking top 1% of wealth in our country? White, 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 white. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if, if that's – this, here's the thing. Like, after the George Floyd incident happened, and you, you can go back to any of the incidents. If the, mm-hmm. o- if the only people that were speaking up were black people, and the only people that were posting on social media and um, protesting out in the streets, and it yeah. was nothing but black people – well, we all know that in the United States, you're a minority, you know? So, so you, if every single black well, person in the United the States... Well, it's also the value. It's also the value of that voice. Well, it's not valued because it's in the minority. So if every single black person in the history and currently living in the United States protested on any of these, on any of these cases that have happened that we've talked about, it still, yeah. it still wouldn't be enough because yeah. that voice is not being heard because you have... I don't even know what the statistic is. Is it? I should have probably looked it up of of what the black population is in the United States. It's not. I don't think it's thirty percent. Is it? I don't. Even I know. have no idea. Yeah, but what I'm saying, I know it's not fifty percent. Basically, is what I'm saying because that's what I'm saying. If every single black person protested and expressed something on on social media or whatever the case may be, if you're less than fifty percent, obviously that's not enough. That's why. Mm-hmm. Me as a white person, anybody else as a white person needs to be a little more vocal about this stuff because, like you said, this is a system that benefits white people from the very get-go. This is a yeah. this is a government that's run by mostly all white people, um, mm-hmm. and a system a a a police system that has um, the statistic that I heard um, was I believe. There's 18,000 police departments in the United States. I think I want to say like eight of them, from what I heard, have 30 percent, more than 30 percent black people on the force. That's Mm -hmm. it's embarrassing. So. So now you have a whole every police department in America, for the most part, is dominated by white people. So, of course, they're going to get away Mm -hmm. with more and they're controlling what ends up happening. And, you know, something that you don't know, because you've kind of. Gone, like you said, you've gone off the grid for the last couple of days. Um, mm-hmm. something, because this just came about last night. Um, there is um, a website out there um, called Join Campaign Zero, which is also offshoot 8 Can't Wait. And 8 Can't Wait is um, where they've taken they, – they've done data since 2014, basically since Ferguson. They've done mm-hmm. six years of data, and they've gotten to the hundred largest cities, all cities, uh, hundred largest cities in the United States, including all the cities in California, and done studies and data work on the police departments, and 
basically how do we get them to reduce power they have to inflict harm and people and the police have come Defund back and said them. yeah if you restrict it if we, you restrict us using force it makes us less safe you don't know what it's like to be a police officer and the data has now shown by this website which has just gone live eight can't wait came out today it went live today data shows police places with the most restrictive pol- policies on um on force are the safest mm-hmm. community members are the safest and there's no change in crime and like I said, I can just direct people there. You can read it. It's got every single thing you need to know about how the police force deals with things. I learned things in listening to this podcast and looking on this website that I guarantee 99.9% of Amer- people in America did not know. Um, did you know there's a law in California that any investigation of an officer that lasts more than a year can never result in discipline regardless of the outcome? Probably Nobody knew that. There's a law in Oregon that says officer can use deadly force if they think you can mm-hmm. ju- if they think you just committed a felony or they think yep. you're about to commit one. They can use deadly force. Um, yep. Chicago destroys police disciplinary records every five years. Like there is stuff that I, they've been able to access police departments and they've been able to put mm-hmm. everything in motion. And now they have basically this eight can't wait, which is eight policies that they want every single police department in America to institute. Because mm-hmm. they they have basically shown if this is instituted, then you will get um, what is it seventy two percent less 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 deaths seventy two percent reduction in police violence if all these policies are put into place and it's factual yeah. it's data it's out there um, and you know some and some of them are just so Taylor it's amazing some of them are so basic and it's just like yeah. de escalation. Space between people, talking them down, not being up mm-hmm. in people's faces, banning chokeholds well, yeah, and strangles. The police are trained like they're in the freaking military going yeah. to combat that war. And it's like, these are civilians you're dealing with. Like, you were supposed to serve and protect yeah. the American people, which includes black people. Yeah. And I think the police as a whole has completely lost sight of that. And it's the contracts even that they sign really make it so that they don't have to take any kind of accountability the good cop bad cop thing is bullshit because if we had really really good good cops they would be holding these other cops accountable there have been some clips of cops joining in on the protests and good they should be because they should they should want to see this change as well if these are if they are really dedicated to serving and protecting the american people then they need to listen to the american people and by the way, that's wow. that's one of the eight policies on um, eight can't wait duty to intervene officer intervening when he sees another officer engaging in misconduct. That's one. Yeah. Of the, that's one of the new things. Or not one of the new like, things, but that's what they're saying to put into a policy of doing this. Um, and, you know, you, you know, we've talked about the, ra- the you know, the, the the race part of this, how, how this has been such a big race issue. And it goes it goes systematically a lot deeper than just George Floyd. And what happened to him? This is obviously yeah. a a divide between races, um, and people are like, "Yes, I want to be educated. I want to learn more. I've learned more in the last week than I probably have in the last ten years combined." But now mm-hmm. people are saying, "Like, well, what can I do to help?" I'm telling you, you go to joincampaignzero.org or join eightcantwait.org, and you can actually pull up if you are one of the largest hundred largest cities in America. You can see your police department, and on eightcantwait.org, you can go to your police department. Um, and pull up, uh, let's see, uh, how many how many policies of those eight your city currently has enacted? And then once you pull up your city, it has a phone number and an email mm-hmm. and, the, and the Twitter account of the mayor or sheriff in your area where you can easily just go to it and easily contact them. 
uh, to implement this. And this is where you say, how can I help? This is one major way you can help now is that because this site just went live yesterday. Um, and it has, like I said, every county and every city in California is in there. And then the hundred largest cities in America uh, of their police department. And it tells you of these eight, how many actually have implemented them currently in their system. And then it gives you the, the phone number, the email and the, tw- and the Twitter account of the mayor or sheriff in that town, because they're the ones that can control what happens with the police mm-hmm. department. Not, you don't have to go to the federal level to do this. All you have to do is go to your mayor or sheriff in your city and, you know, send an email, send a tweet, um, require them to do this. And, According to this site, um, it will de-escalate police force and, and deaths by 72%. It's amazing. It's amazing what you can hear on this thing. And, you know, I, I hope people go to it. Uh, like I said, it just went live yesterday. I hope people do it. Um, here's, here's something interesting that I heard. Um, police were asked, um, and this is like, well, what does that mean? Police can't shoot, police can't shoot anybody anymore? And they're saying no. And this is a, this is a good way to look at it was... Think of somebody that matters to you, whether it be your brother, sister, mom, dad. When And as as you say that, literally my brother, who is black, is trying to FaceTime me, and I've been meaning to talk to him. Oh. <laughs> what timing? Um, yeah. And they said... But yeah, think of someone. Think of someone that matters to you, and then answer this question. When do you think, when would you give the okay for the police to kill that person? What do yeah. they have to do where you're totally fine with the end of their life. Yeah. And then it's, and then just assign that to police officers and say, that's how they should treat every single person uh, who's a citizen. They should not yeah. have to use, you know, one of the other eight things was, um, you know, bringing guns on a nine one one call for, you know, a mental health emergency. Why does a gun yeah. need to be brought to somebody who's having a mental health breakdown? Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't, um, you know, and uh, a traffic, uh, a car crash. They don't need guns out there. Um, So they're saying like, but that was, that was a huge thing that I probably the biggest thing I took from this podcast was what does somebody have to do where you're totally fine with uh, someone that you love where you could say, yeah, I'm good with them being killed. What would be the Mm -hmm. the biggest thing? Probably something with them holding a gun or, you know, about to inflict harm on themselves or others is probably where you were just like, okay. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I think that, and, and if cops take that route of how to protect people, I think it would go a lot better than opposed to they just have a mindset now where I'm the boss, you're you're below yeah. me, you're inferior to me, I can do whatever I want. 100%. Which is clearly what happened in Minnesota. I mean, come on, that's obvious. Yeah. And it's clearly happening with the actual protests happening with how they're responding to that. Um, I love that you provided that resource, and I think that's a very, very helpful thing that people should check out. And I love that you're not asking me for that because in other podcasts I've been on, people are asking me for all these resources, and I'm like, y'all need to do the work. Y'all yeah. need to look for that. So thank you for providing that. Um, I do have links in my Instagram uh, bio. Um for people to check out for other resources and stuff. Um, I do have yeah. to go. I would love to continue this conversation, but oh, I know. Um, gotta, gotta, we, uh, bury, bury this little girl in some sand. We didn't, we didn't even get to the Chad Johnson part of our podcast. Oh, well, Oh, oh man, that could be a whole other podcast just on its own. About that. Um, all right, Taylor, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I appreciate it. And obviously you and I, mm-hmm. Clearly, we'll uh, we'll be in touch, and um, good luck with everything. And don't you know? Don't get too exasperated by everything. I know you've been under a lot of, I know you've felt a lot of pressure, and feel like 
a lot of stuff has fallen on your shoulders, but you're doing a great job uh, just informing and educating, but don't let it overwhelm you, please. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I hope you continue these conversations. Yeah, uh, me too. Um, I appreciate you coming on and uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. All right. Sounds good. Take care. Bye. Thanks so much to Taylor for coming on. I really appreciate it. She's great. Um, we didn't even get into possibly talking about Chad Johnson and, um, you know, what's going on in his life because, you know, Taylor and I talk a lot. We text a lot and, uh, just talking about things in bachelor nation and Chad's been a topic of conversation a lot recently, just because we're kind of in awe of what he's doing. And, um, yeah, so he is somebody that, uh, we, we talk about a lot. We never even got into it. She was with family today. So I understand, uh, just the fact that she even gave me 50, 55 minutes, uh, is, is good enough for me. Um, but yeah, we didn't get into the Chad stuff and you know, she's very sex positive on her Instagram story. We never even got into any of that stuff, but the Hannah stuff and what's going on in the country with the protesting, it was way more important to talk about. And then plus all the eight can't wait, uh, org stuff, which she didn't know about at the time, uh, recording yesterday, but afterwards, uh, she was very well aware of it. So, uh, yeah, great to have Taylor on. I know we're going to have her on again in the future and, um, yeah, I hope you really took the time to listen uh, to the things that she said because she's, yes, she's very outspoken and she's very passionate. And sometimes uh, that passion, I know, to people, some turns people off. I don't know why, but it does. And, you know, different strokes for different folks. So, again, Taylor, thank you so much for coming on and thank you all for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's much appreciated. We are back next week. I have a Bachelor Nation interview unless something else comes up. I do have one that I recorded this week, which I'll run next week with a former contestant. That's another trip down memory lane. Some good stuff there. You'll you'll enjoy it. It's a lot, definitely not nearly as heavy as today's podcast, but uh, I think you'll enjoy it. But uh, for Taylor Nolan, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning into podcast number 185, and we will talk to you next week. See you.